We have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, beautiful dojo family. I am truly honored to come to you today with my dojo family. Erica Dean, who is truly one of the dojo OGs. That means one of the first women who ever attended a live liberation dojo. And after that, you know, continued to journey with me, I think, you know, into the teens in terms of how many live dojos and then into level one and two group program. And now the council and has just emerged as such a fierce leader an edge walker, an embodiment of truth. And it has been such an incredible thing to witness this woman shed what is no longer truth and receive the life that is a reflection of her thrive. And the amount and magnitude of courage that I have witnessed in this woman and courage that is now embodied courage that it has taken to move through the magnitude of transformation and shift that has actually occurred. That is a reflection of the shift that has occurred internally. The external shift is reflecting the shift that has occurred internally is why I'm so honored to introduce all of you to her. And today we're going to explore the mechanics of being an edge walker. What does that look like? How has it occurred? What is actually required to expand beyond your edges? as an evolutionary being in this life. And if there's anyone that is more qualified to have that conversation, I don't know who she is because she's sitting right in front of me. So with that, I'd love to introduce you to Erica Dean. And Erica, I'd love to just pass the mic to you and give you an opportunity to share your voice. And you just shared with me a deeper why, you know, of, of why you're here and what, what this conversation means to you. And so I'd love for you to just share that with, with the crew who's receiving here as we really invite everyone whose ears are perking up for this to slow down if you can, if you're not driving or in a, a quick paced moment, but 
as with every episode of, of the Dojo podcast, there is a true and real invitation to deepen in your receiving and open to the possibility that there's something that's ready to shift inside of you as a function of the catalyst that is here today, the catalyst that this conversation could be for you. So that's what I'm excited about. That's my why is that may this conversation serve as a catalyst for even just one of the ears that are listening. May it be the perfect thing that you needed to hear in the moment that you needed it most that catalyzes you to expand beyond a particular edge or release what is no longer true and alive in your life so that you can receive what is. So that's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. And Erica, I'd love you to introduce yourself and share what you're here for, woman. Oh, man, this feels so good to be sitting here with you, Z. First question I have to ask, what is the rules with cursing on this podcast? Well, you can use all your curse words on okay. this podcast. Thanks you know, we don't have very many rules. <laughs> Great. Um, what an opportunity it is to sit in this reflection point for myself in front of you now appear and a friend, a deep, deep sister. And I remember so clearly stepping into your house for the first time for that first liberation dojo and my nervous system just panicking because there was this powerful, strong, sovereign woman inviting me into a more embodied version of myself. And the the literal panic that I experienced standing in front of you. And now to be in a place where I can have this conversation and be invited into this level of, of just riffing with you is such, it's an honor. And it's also such a beautiful reflection point for the growth and expansion that I have moved through mm-hmm. and like celebrating those steps. Um, so just wanting to take a moment to acknowledge that. Uh, and um, man, what is my why? My why and for this conversation in particular and for, for any conversation truly is just such a deep joy and pleasure and excitement for the intimacy of the one-on-one sharing and the, the juice and the magic that can be created when two curious souls come together as one to share transparently and honestly and to be with another woman that I know is going to take full accountability of the shifts and the movements that they experience as, as they may be pushed upon. Like there's, there's no, there's no more exciting place for me to be. And so I just, I trust so fully these type of conversations have such a truth to them. And I trust myself to be able to show up and be honest. So let's do it. Let's do it. Yes to that. Yeah, I really love what you're sharing around the energy and the alchemy of two empowered individuals. And I would say all of us are always receiving more opportunity to receive more of ourselves and more of our power. The nature of being human is that we are evolutionary beings. The, The nature of being a human in a body is that we're literally the edges of your body. It's it's like this infinite spirit inside this edgy literally like Uh hitting the edges of your form. So inherently and moving from limitlessness into a limited finite form and then Mm -hmm. learning how to express the truth of your soul, which is that which is limitless Mm -hmm. through the finite form of the body. What a profoundly powerful opportunity 
to Mm -hmm. explore what it means to stretch beyond the edges. Like how do we remember our infinite nature and express that which is infinite through that which is finite here in our human expression? Because people that are the most inspiring to me are living limitless in their lives. They, they are expressing that which is limitless, the expression of their higher limitless consciousness through the form and are not actually believing that the edges of the physical world reality that are saying, no, this is a no-go zone or that is impossible or this could never happen. They're not actually believing that that's true. And so I've seen fucking magic happen when we transcend the idea that we are limited you know, like, no, I could never do that. Or, you know, my physical world circumstances limit me from being able to find my freedom. And so with you, what I witnessed was, I think when we first met, you were living in, where were you not, not in Topanga yet? You were living in Mm -hmm. Hollywood, you know, maybe 14 years into cutting hair. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about kind of where you came from, like the physical world reality that you was reflecting the internal alchemy, the internal landscape when we met. Mm-hmm. And then we can go from there into the arc of what did it take to experience a full throttle shedding of quite literally everything in your external environment to arrive <laughs> into, into the life that you're in now. Totally new mm-hmm. relationship field, totally new home space, totally new expression professionally and in terms of your mission over yeah. the course of like a year, like two years max, yeah. right? So yeah. let's talk about that. And it feels as though it happened in about, you know, two years. Mm-hmm. And, but it was a journey. And, I would say the the moment of like waking up because I truly believe that every single human that walks this planet has this little voice inside of them that is that is constantly reminding themselves that there is more there is more connection there is more depth there is more truth there is more harmony there is mm-hmm. more love mm-hmm. there is more expression and it's our responsibility as individuals to listen to that voice over the noise of the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment um, and it was catalyzed by an incredibly painful breakup for me, an incredibly painful and confusing breakup that I experienced five years ago. And it was in that moment that everything else around me seemed to quiet down for the first time. And that little voice inside of me was telling me that there is more to this life than what you are experiencing. There's a different way to approach pain. There's a different way to approach your past. There's a different way to approach love. And, but I didn't know what to do with that, with that new voice that I was hearing. And so I started in like, in such a state of desperation, I reached out to every possible outlet available to me, an incredible therapist, breathwork, meditation, you know, tarot card readers, astrology readers, human design, all the things that start pointing me in the direction that I knew I was meant to be going into. And then, you know, over the course of all of those different modalities, kind of started to fine tune the ones that felt most true for me and really starting to shed the ones that didn't feel as necessary for me to continue on with. But so grateful for all, like being in Los Angeles, oh my gosh, 
there's so much available to you as soon as you start to listen to that voice. Mm -hmm. Um, So grateful for all those different modalities, but it was, it was just finally, finally starting to listen to that voice over all the limiting beliefs that I had held on to for so long. So what came up when you first started listening to that voice and then you experience, okay, a mismatch in your physical world reality, right? So that voice is saying there's something more, which to me says, oh, okay, there's, there, are, there are things here that don't feel like a match to the next expression I'm seeking. So what did you do? So you started working with different modalities and found the ones that really worked for you. And so on the inside, what did it take for you to sustain the energy long enough to break through? Like, what did that first breakthrough look like? Because there's a thing where it's like, we start to do the inner work and then you know, because it can take time for physical, the physical world reality to transform as fast as that little, the inner voice or the spirit comes in. There's a, there's a devotion. There's a fortitude. There's, there's a commitment that is required to sustain action and alignment with the knowing the voice you're describing long enough for the breakthrough to occur. And so I'm curious about how that action occurred to you. Were there times where you were just like, I just, I want to give up. This isn't working or like, you know, what did you, what did that first kind of big breakthrough look like? And how did you get through that? Great question. I think that the first, the first real internal step that I had to begin taking in order to start moving in the direction that I knew that my heart and spirit wanted to move into was beginning to take full ownership of the life that I was in and getting out of victim consciousness, getting out of lack consciousness, getting out of pointing my finger to my external circumstances and saying, you know, it's your fault that I went through this breakup. It's your fault that I was treated this way. It's your fault that I had this childhood. It's your fault that I have these patternings. I mean, we can point our finger outward for as long as we live if we choose to do so. But there was a moment that I realized that in order to really start shifting and really start moving into the right direction, I had to start taking that that finger and point it in and understand really on a cellular level that I I am the creator of my own reality. And that changed everything for me when I started to have more. It's not even control. But for lack of a better word that's available to me right now, it it gave me more control over my own growth, expansion, healing, experience, life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I feel you right there. So in the time where you felt that, right? So it's like almost because when we're in victim consciousness, there is a shadow of control in it. You're actually resisting feeling the sensation of full ownership and full responsibility, which what can come with that is being hard on yourself, judging yourself. Like there's a protection in victim consciousness, right? When we're protecting ourselves, we're in control, right? So I'm for any ears listening, first of all, being in protection from my perspective deserves compassion. Even if that protection is showing up as the control of 
this is happening to me. How could this person have done that to me? You know, I have not enough resources, so that's why I can't do this thing, or this job is not right. My boss is this and that, and da 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 da, da. but I can't leave because of this other reason. There's just there's all this blame and looking out as to why you're in a circumstance that you don't like versus actually looking in and saying, wow, like I I'm creating this. There's a reason on it from an evolutionary perspective that I have innocently, very likely unconsciously created myself into this life circumstance that has come from fear or lack. And Mm -hmm. now I've become aware enough to recognize I actually have the capacity as a creator to break free. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to do that, what I'm hearing you say is I have to take full ownership actually first of what's here. I cannot get to what's there, what I actually desire, if I'm not in full ownership of my participation in what is here. And I just, when I hear you say that, what I feel in me is just that first moment of like, not only like, fuck, like where that little, that self-judgment can come on, but also the like, holy fuck, like, how do I get now? How, you know, like, mm-hmm. how do I, mm-hmm. then it's a lot because you can feel suffocated. Physical world reality matter is quite dense. It can feel quite dense, especially if you're out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so from there, so I see you, 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 you take responsibility for what's here. Did you feel any of those layers of like, Oh shit, now I've got a mountain to climb up kind of thing. And like, how did you navigate that? Yes. And I think at that point in my journey, I was already at a place where the like being up against the wall was a place where I was comfortable enough to where I I trusted the journey. I trusted that being at that edge point and being at that pain point and being at that challenge, I had done it enough to trust that on the other side of that was expansion. Mm -hmm. And so there would you say those? What would you say to the ones who haven't, because I hear you earned that trust in life by doing it many times and seeing that it worked. So if you rewind, I'm curious, what would you say to the ones, like if you go to the first one where you hadn't earned that trust yet, what would you say to the ones who actually are like, okay, y'all, but like, it sounds like you're, are you sure? Like that, that could be bullshit. Like they don't actually have the embodied trust online all the way yet, but are right at that edge, like you described back up against the wall in full ownership of, wow, what's here is not my yes. And I believe that I could create something different and I'm terrified. And I actually feel like I'm jumping off a cliff without a net. And I don't know that it will appear yet. What would you encourage for those individuals? Oh, going back to my first couple of like, oh, fuck moments. Yeah, that's what I mean. Truly, I think that it came from such a place of exhaustion, such a place of like truly looking at my real world reality in that moment and and knowing that I didn't have to feel this much pain. I didn't have to feel this much frustration or insecurity or rigidity in my physical body when I was in front of people. And it was really just trusting that there was something better on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. And so it does first start as just a blind trust before you have that reference point for what it feels like to move beyond the edge. Mm -hmm. It requires a blind trust in your, in Mm -hmm. yourself. Ooh, that's good. So it's like, are you willing, have you arrived at the point 
that you're willing to just trust that you could trust, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And then if you trust that you could trust, even if you don't believe actually yet that it will all, the net will appear, could you just believe that it's possible if you let that you might believe? Do you feel like that, that shift, I feel like that's what you're describing. And I actually really resonate with that. It was like, for me too, when I first left the, like the sports agency business, my whole ego identity structure was tied up in it, but I was literally closing the windows of my office in Beverly Hills and, and, and crying every day. Mm -hmm. It was like, wow, I had to hit a point of misery and just like exhaustion that it had me lean into, I'm going to release everything. And I actually don't know Mm -hmm. if this Mm -hmm. is going to work, but I have to believe that I could believe that there is a me who could believe on the other side of this, because even that feels better than the me that just believes that there's no way out of this. Totally. And I do think that like, I, I by no means want to wish anybody like that rock bottom point because it sucks. We all know what feels like, but there is so much beauty in that moment that you, it's like, again, I hate saying this, (laughs) but when you look at your reality and you're like, whatever is on the other side of this is better than what I am. And now I I trust that to be true. And even if it gets a little bit muckier and ickier and muddier before it starts to clear, I trust that it's not this. And when you know that it's not this, then you must take action. Yes. And so it's that blind trust. Mm -hmm. So that feels clear for all the edge walkers that are listening, the ones who are stepping into and especially across a very big threshold at this time, you know, life, the evolutionary process, she relentless, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're listening to this right now, I imagine that you are passionate about your own evolutionary process. And even those who are further along on the evolutionary process, process, like the you who is sitting in front of me now and me sitting here, I just went through a massive release last year. You know what I mean? Like the, the evolution, what's going to actually serve the evolution of the soul in its highest is going to, you will attract it into your field as a creator. And the more that we can hold the perspective Mm -hmm. of, Oh, this makes sense. I see that why this is happening for me, the more lubricated and rapid the actual receiving can be even amidst a massive release. So I'm curious about now as your life started to transform. So you hit that first moment of, yeah, there's, it's not this, right? So just the recognition of not this means there's something even higher timeline for you. And so then you started just taking steps into that higher, higher timeline, higher timeline, like how fast did it happen? What did it look like? When did the biggest shifts start to occur in your home life and your professional life? Like what started to catalyze that? And what did that look like actually on a tangible level? Well, I think before I went, before I skipped to like that big moment of shift, um, I also want to speak a little bit of life into another really important um, kind of phase that I went through. And that was beginning to see that the patterns and the life that you were creating um not only are you like i it's not a letting go of those patterns it's not a letting go of it's it's a it's a reclamation 
of all of the parts of yourself that has caused you to act in the way that you have been acting for so long, choosing the relationship that was toxic, staying in the job that's not serving you, living out of purpose, not speaking your truth. All of these mechanisms are so powerful. And it was starting to really slow down enough so that I could see that all of that patterning inside of me were, were versions of myself, younger versions of myself that were acting from a place that had expired, but they were caught in a timeline that was not up to the current date. And so like you were speaking into a little bit ago, having so much compassion on myself as I was bringing awareness into my patterning, is a, it was such an important piece because that, that really broke the shame. You cannot move through your own pieces if you're living from a place of shame because it it takes your vision away from the exact thing that you're supposed to be looking at. And so when I started to see that the bad, and I'm air quoting, the bad patterns that I had, the drinking in the capacity that I was drinking, the choosing the wrong relationships, expressing sexually in ways that didn't feel aligned, that those were defense mechanisms that I had created along the way in order to achieve this illusion of love, acceptance, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so just not wanting to bypass that step, because I think that it was a really, really important part of that first stage of my evolution was to begin looking so compassionately at the ways in which I was showing up for myself. Bless for bringing that, that piece is central. And I would, I would like to name that it's central, not only for the beginning steps of like breaking free of more of like dense patterning. And it's not breaking free of the patterning. I agree. It's embracing and having compassion for the versions of yourself that are expressing those patterns because they're coming from a response to a deeply wounded place when you didn't actually have the tools. That's the only reason the protections would come in. So as we develop the tools to actually be with ourselves in the space of some of these very uncomfortable emotional experiences, we actually no longer need those aspects that are in protection, but to actually like judge them or shame them. That's not the way towards healing. Love is always the way towards healing. Compassion is always the love way towards healing. And it's not just in the beginning stages, not releasing the patterns, but releasing the physical world manifest function of what you create from the action of those patterns. You're actually mm-hmm. going to start to see those expired physical world reflections of who you are being when you're in protection shed, they'll be released. But in order for those physical world reflections to be released, it could be relationships or jobs or living environments or any dynamic that's reflecting the you in protection as that those start to release. It's a function of how much you can love, have compassion for and embrace the aspects of yourself that are in those patterns, which doesn't mean they get to drive the ship and have the wheel. It just means they're actually being integrated into your system as a part of the whole that deserves love. And the truth is you, me, every single individual listening are the only individual on the planet. You are the only you that actually gets what it is that you have been through. You are the only one. There is no healer on the planet that can get inside of you the way that you are. And that compassion is a function of that. When you really get you and you look at you from a bird's eye view and you actually see the little child, the teenager, the 20 something who walked what you walked and went through what you went through, 
you would cease an, a woman, a man that deserves love, respect, forgiveness, compassion. It would make sense to you why they go into fear or jealousy or control. You would just want to embrace them and say, it's okay. That's what we have to do. And that mechanism is essential from my perspective in the very beginning. That's like the release hatch. And now all the way through, I imagine all the way through, if the, oh, unless yeah. you're a perfectly enlightened being that never goes into a shadow pattern, you will still require the absolute liberation technology that is your own compassion coming from you inside out. And so practicing that tool, I think we're starting to kind of see, oh, liberation technology 101. This compassion, if you're going to look at what it looks like to expand beyond your edges, this piece, essential, put it in your toolbox and make it a practice. So what does that practice look like? What does that practice of compassion look like? How did you, because I know for, for me and for many people that I work with, at first it sounds fluffy. It's like, okay, have compassion for myself, love myself. Okay. Okay. Zahara, what do you even, you know, like us in the beginning, right? Like, what does that actually mean? But there's a moment where it shifts. And I'm curious how that occurred to you where it like hit you in the heart and, and it landed. And so how would you encourage others to practice the liberation technology of compassion? Yeah, another great question. Man, it does, it can, <laughs> it can sound really fluffy and it can almost sound there's a big difference between like the toxic positivity that we hear a lot about in this kind of the wellness space where it's just like everything's good and yeah. you know there, there's it, it's coming from a different energetic field than that and i'll share a story when i first felt this come online in a very real way i had been i'll share it quickly i had been very platonically building a relationship with this man that i had a lot of trust for and over the course of time, like I was really feeling like I was being seen in this new evolution that I was going through. And he invited me to go to dinner and picked me up. And we had this really like incredible, like deep share space over dinner. And then when he brought me home and there was no attraction there, there was no attraction or desire to create anything romantically. And when he dropped me off, he kissed me and I kissed him back. And I was able in that moment to pull back and be a witness to what I what was actually happening in my reality. And I heard this voice inside of me say, because I felt the urge to pull back. And I heard this little voice inside of me say, we have to take what we can get. Hmm. And it, it really, I could identify that this was such a young version of me that was so afraid of being alone and so afraid of being abandoned that she was so willing to put herself in any romantic situation and accept that as her truth because she was so afraid of loneliness. And so I pulled back right away and I, you know, respectfully got myself out of the car and I went into my house and I broke down because I had realized in that moment that I had let this little girl, this little girl who had faced off with her own real abandonment and real type of fear in that time, I kept giving her the keys to this like grown up life and allowing her to steer. And so hearing that voice so clearly and then being able to pull back as a more evolved and healed version of myself today was able to speak directly to her and say, oh, my God, baby, we don't have to accept this. We don't have to pick up scraps. Oh, I am so sorry that you have felt this way for so long. And I am so sorry that I have left you in charge of this very big 
life that we're living. What do you need from me today? What do you need from me today in, in order to know that I've got you, to know that you're safe? And as I started to open up a dialogue with this younger version of myself, she began to speak directly to me. And it became this trusting relationship between me, the me of today, and the younger six-year-old. And over time, she started to let go of that defense mechanism. She started to stop telling me of today that I needed to accept all of you know any relational opportunity that came into my field because she was like, she trusted me. Yeah. She trusted that we weren't going to end up in loneliness because I've got me. Yeah. I've got her. Mm -hmm. Oof. Powerful share. I can imagine mm -hmm. so many listening can relate and, and it's such a powerful skill set to be able to locate when these different aspects of ourselves are coming up that are really coming from younger places and wounded places. And that actually reminds me about your IFS work, the internal family systems work that you facilitate. And I'm curious if you could share just a little bit more about that and how that has impacted not only your life, but also the way you facilitate for anyone listening, because I'm definitely hearing a lot of the parts work in your share. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had such incredible therapists in the beginning few years of my kind of growth journey. And he was an IFS therapist. IFS is internal family systems and it's essentially parts work. And when you're taking it from a more like therapy route, then like, cause in our work, we kind of call this inner child work. And, but in the psychological world, it's parts work. And it's essentially, so kind of the first step in it is really starting to identify the essence of who you are the true essence of who you are, the version of you that spans time and space, the version of you that lives beyond the stories, that lives beyond the identity structures that hasn't been wounded. And every single one of us has that essence. It's the same place that that voice that I was talking about earlier comes from. And so it's beginning to get into a state where you can embody that version of you, not even version, that essence of you. And it's from that place that that essence has such a clear, clean vision of everything that's moving through your, your, you know, your human experience. And so from that vantage point, you can look at yourself, the, all the different parts of yourself and see with such clarity that you're separate from them. Once you begin that process of disidentifying from all of the parts of yourself, then you get to be in relationship with them. Mm. Then you get to start communicating with them. Then you get to start looking at them and saying, there is a fully responsible, present, conscious, adult, online that can hear your stories that can validate your feelings that can love you unconditionally and it's it's from that place that all those parts begin to heal that all those parts that may have had abandonment in their childhood or abusive relationships in their teens or you know all these different trauma points that we move through they start to let go of that because they have an adult you the essence of you to trust with their processing and then the beautiful part about this is not only are you beginning the process of unhooking from the painful patternings that is creating your real world reality 
what is a child responsible for? A child is responsible for curiosity, for exploration, for play, for for all of the, for making music, for for drawing, for singing. And so as they begin to let down their defense mechanisms, they also begin to embody themselves. And so you, all of these different creative points of yourself will come online and you get into harmony with all of these versions of you. Whoa, that is so yeah. Powerful. I'm actually blown away right now for a couple of reasons. IFS work, I've been exposed to it through different facilitators of it, but I haven't gone very deeply into it. So I didn't understand the mechanics of it in the way that you just described it so beautifully before. And what mm -hmm. I'm struck by, and I like, I don't know. My spirit is just getting off on this for a second. Like literally my, that's what's happening. I'm like <laughs> ego checking myself, but like my spirit's actually kind of getting off on this. So <laughs> my apologies to anyone listening. If I am kind of getting off on just the wild power <laughs> of what it is to channel, because I'm so much, I believe as a, like as a growing being, it for myself personally has been receiving myself through the action of expression, right? Through the action of actually expressing it, doing it, risking doing the thing that you're afraid to do, and then starting to build reference points where of trust through the reflection of whether it's clients or friends that are around you that are receiving you and reflecting back to you, wow, yes. Mm -hmm. And so this is actually, it's wild. It's one of those a point like that for me that just happened. We didn't mean for this to happen, but this is what is happening. What you just did was describe the Dojo Immersed program arc. Totally. That is what you just did. And I, you know, because I've, I've actually, I think there's two ways of working the balance between education mm -hmm. and intuition. And I have, you know, I did a couple of years spiritual psychology program at USM. So I, I've had education that created structure for me around facilitation modalities like gestalt work, you know, mm -hmm. neurolinguistic programming, inner child. I had those structures and the bulk of the facilitation that I feel like I'm coded for comes through intuition. I'm really mm -hmm. trusting my direct line. So there's like this direct line that occurs. And then once the direct line and the intuition is online, which means I'm not in a state of recalling something that I've been taught when I'm facilitating. Yeah. And that being said, an edge for me at times has been after, I'm like about nine years now after my awakening is the feeling of like, is there, because I've, my facilitation is so intuitively based the live liberation dojos are emergent fields. They're emergent transformational arenas where I'm truly trusting what is coming through my direct line in the moment. So there's been a question at times that has come up for me around like, do I need more classical education? Do I need, you know, to do IFS training or to do this or that? And I'm not saying this to discourage going in the direction of IFS training first. And then I would, if for anyone that's a classically trained facilitator, I would encourage also then, can you shed those parameters and add intuition? So for mm -hmm. me, this is a powerful point of confirmation to hear that something as well established as IFS 
is actually directly reflecting what came through my direct line. And I'm saying that to say for everyone, like how powerful it is to actually build a trusting relationship with your direct line. The Mm -hmm. arc of the Dojo Immerse Level 1 three-month program is first, it's receiving your higher consciousness, the receiving. So you described first step first is receiving your essence, who Mm -hmm. you are beyond the wounding, beyond the story, beyond the memory. That's month one is receiving who you are. Month two is the embodiment right? So like embodying that higher consciousness, which means anything that's not a match to her, the inner child work, all of the wounding patternings. Now that that version of the you that is free is present and you have access to the you that is free, that you can hold all parts of wounding and trauma and pain points and aspects, protectors connected to those pain points that come up, then we can do the real healing because That's where the healing occurs from you, from the inside out. And the healer is her or him. It's the Mm -hmm. you that is free from the inside out, holding all those parts. And then month three is once that relationship between the parts and the higher self and the holding and healing that happens through that alchemy is there, expression, giving permission for the full expression of the full spectrum of you. So all of that came through a direct line. And is being affirmed later by the structure that you so beautifully brought forward of IFS specifically. Mm -hmm. So, okay, yes, Mm -hmm. there's like a tooting my own horn happening. And I feel like I'm having my own, I'm having, so I'm like, is this even like, I don't know if later I'm going to be like feeling like I'm tooting my own horn, but I kind of am, but there's a reason, right? Like there's a reason because what I feel is how can we encourage the trust of the direct line of each individual. And what does it take to actually deepen the trust in that direct line? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if you remember this or not, but so we did all the liberation dojos and then I was a part of so many of the digital dojos. And then there was a point where I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to go deeper. And you and I did our one-on-one immersion Mm -hmm. and after the one-on-one immersion is when you invited me into Dojo Immersed, the level one. Mm -hmm. And I had started school. I had registered for classes and I was like, I'm going to be a psychologist. I'm going to get my master's degree and it's going to take me, you know, eight years to do this starting at ground zero. And it was a trust. This was a moment of a trust fall for me because I knew that if I was going into Dojo Immersed and I wasn't going to continue with taking my classes, both financially and the time commitment that it was going to ask of me. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to try this and see if it works. And if not, then I'm only three months behind on my classes. And I had realized as I moved through Dojo Immerse and Dojo Masters that I had everything inside of me that I needed in order to be of service in the way that I desired to be in service of, that I knew my spirit was calling for. But I was looking outside of myself wanting the world to tell me that I was good enough, to tell me that I was smart enough, to tell me that I had enough wisdom. And I thought the only way to do that was to get a degree. So Dojo Immerse and Dojo Masters actually allowed me to shed that limiting belief and trust my more intuitive parts to say, no, you can do this. You You have everything inside of you already. And then once I finished Dojo Masters and was like, okay, I'm going to step fully into this coaching, I stepped back and I like really checked in with myself. And I was like, what outside of this intuitive wisdom that I have, what do I want to invest a little bit of time into in order to, you know, have some tools in my tool belt? And that's when I took the IFS course. 
right. because I knew that was a structure that I had a lot of respect for. And so, you know, but first I had to let go of the limiting belief that the outside world had to tell yes. me that I was. Oh, so beautiful. It's like a this and, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I think what my system is built to buck is that it has to be this first, right? Like there's only a validity in your intuition if you have the degree XYZ. Da, 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 da. And I went to Rice University. I've had a classical education. And there's also such a value, but this is now tricky. Now we're starting to get into some tricky territory because this is where a lot of the shadow, I think, of the coaching industry comes in as well, where just anyone can call themselves a coach and say, now I'm doing this. And and it can become, there's also like shadow territory that can become dangerous and get a little out of integrity where we're starting to potentially hold each other in depths of trauma work where potentially there's not a trauma-informed lens and and there's a potential to do more damage. So I think it's central that when we have this conversation, that we're pronouncing the importance of checking in with where you're coming from. Like, are you coming from a lack of like, I want to be a coach so that I can make money. Are you coming from a place like, is it true? Like how self-aware and honest with yourself can you be? Is it, are you getting an ego pump out of signing a new client? And that's why you want to sign a new client. Or is it like, okay, this actually feels like my Dharma. And there, I do believe there are some beings on the planet. So this is not a blanket statement that I'm saying everyone should go first into a building or cultivating a trust with their intuitive channel. And then I love, then yes, add structures in, right? But I'm not saying that. I think that's it's valid that there are some beings that are very much wired to go through classical education first. And then that can become its own confinement. And there's like, okay, how can I actually shed some of my attachment to what I've been taught and actually open to receive my knowing what I know. We're talking about the other direction. First, trusting the knowing, this is what I know. And then actually allowing, where's my my draw? Is it into deeper trauma-informed training? Is it into medicine work? Is it into IFS? Is it into, and then adding tools to the belt. I feel passionate about, yes, adding tools to the belt, but actually having an openness to trusting that intuition and If you are going the intuitive route first, where are you coming from? I think you spoke something that deserves a little bit more like unpacking of it when the releasing the attachment to the identity of anything is such an important step of becoming, of really stepping into that role. Mm -hmm. And so if we're really speaking into the ideas around coaching, this is an initiation that I really, really had to go through when I first started in my coaching was that, you know, like we had talked about, I had had a really beautiful and successful and abundant career doing hair for a decade and a half before moving into this new territory. And I identified as a hairstylist. And now I wanted to identify as a coach. And the identification of a coach was threatened by the identification of something else. And so that was a really, really important step was and has shown so much value in every area of my life is when I began the process of detaching from the identity structure of X, Mm. because then it allowed me to move with more integrity through into what it was that I wanted to, Mm. what I felt my Dharma was. 
and I think that that's so if we're talking, you know, to the wider lens and, you know, there are people that are potential coaches, potential facilitators, it's important to really stop and take pause and ask yourself if you're doing this from a place of lack, are you doing this because you want the world to reflect back to you that which you want to be seen as? And if the answer is yes, then there's a moment to, to check in and continue to continue shutting. Yeah. And that's coming from it from a place of integrity is so, so important. It's central. Yeah, it's, it's central work. And I think everyone is uniquely coded. You know, there's one of my favorite quotes is, I don't remember it. I might, this might not be exact, but it's believe a Buddhist quote and it's speaking to like religion, but I'm talking about fixed frameworks here. Religion Mm. is one, right? So religion or any fixed framework is like the finger pointing at the moon, but the point is actually the moon to get to the moon. The moon is representing love, freedom, liberation, wholeness, intimacy, connection, the North star of the human evolutionary process, religion, all the religions, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, all religion is the finger pointing to the moon. But the trick is to not get caught on the finger. It's the moon. It's the aim. So I feel like for healing work and personal transformation work and spirituality in general, it's very, can be very tricky and sticky to become potentially righteous about your way of doing it and it needing to be that way. And then going into judgment, which inherently creates separation when it comes to the way anyone else is doing it. Now, across the board, I feel like there's a blanket around integrity, right? So there is an integrity. We don't want to be messy when we're working with the hearts and the trauma and the healing of the deepest vulnerabilities of the human spirit. That's real. That's something to be not taken for granted. So we have a deep integrity. I would say we could blanket that as part of the moon that we're going for is just the integrity that everyone individual is coming from, whether the finger is a religious finger or a spiritual perspective, or the finger is IFS or classical psychology or plant medicine work or intuitive channeling or hands-on healing work or whatever it is, whatever the thing is that's pointing all in the same direction. And that's connection and love and happiness and liberation and freedom. And if that finger is coming from a place of integrity and true care and self-radical self-honesty, because every finger, if it's in a human body, it ain't going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. I certainly have as this ecosystem has evolved. You know, we just went through a moment within the dojo ecosystem where I had a blind spot and I didn't realize that there was a blind spot that was moving through me. And I had an opportunity to come forward with the women and take responsibility for my own blind spot. My truth is that I trust any finger pointing at the same moon. Everyone deserves compassion. It's okay to me if mistakes or wobbles happen. That's a part of it. But the integrity of radical self-honesty and ownership in the journey of pointing towards the moon is where the truth lies. And I respect fingers in every direction, perspective in every direction, spiritual truth that comes from the finger over there in India, the one over there in Israel, the one over here in Rome, wherever the finger's coming from, if it's coming from a place of true self 
honesty and integrity and care, and we pointing at that same moon, I'm actually curious about more of what it is that you're doing, because that means you're coded for that. Right. And you're going to attract those people that are on the same frequency. We're all going to the same place, yeah. but we're taking different paths. And I think that that's something to really acknowledge as well as we, you know, both of us have gone a more intuitive route into right. our work, but yep. the people that go the other route, there's people that are going to resonate with that more. And so right. I think that it's so important for us to attract when we're really talking about the core of why we do what we do, which is more healing, more growth, more connection, more yeah. depth, more harmony, more love. And that's the why. And so if there's people that are coming at it from a more clinical approach or from a more educated approach or a more less intuitive approach, then there's going to be people that resonate with that frequency yeah. and they're all going to get to the same place of harmony yes. and of it's love. All beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's all beautiful. It's all necessary. It's all necessary. That's true. It's that's all necessary. That's a beautiful word. It's all necessary. We're all coded and we all have, I feel like it's like everyone who as we achieve more liberation, our signal goes up. And then those who are attracted to that particular signal, like if you're listening to this right now, you're vibing our signal, you know? Right. And then, and we trust the synchronicity because we're coming from a place of integrity and check ourselves. That's, we can trust the women and men who show up in our field are actually a match to be served by the medicine that's coming through these channels. And then as more liberation flows through our clients, their signals go up and then they become their own attractor fields to attract more beings that they're meant to serve in whatever way is true for them, you know? And I will say witnessing you, it was really cool for me to hear that story and be reminded of that, that there was a split timeline there for you where it was either the more clinical, classical education route and then, or the dojo route. <laughs> and you took the dojo route, which was also life organizing itself to create that spot for you in the program. And when you said, yes, I knew that it was a full fuck yes match and to witness you open up your channel and listen to your direct line and the way the sisterhood of women that we've created actually share through each direct line signal. And the amount of potency that comes through that channel that's actually not coming through something that you've necessarily been taught, but the channel is coming through something that you're receiving in the moment mm -hmm. has been so magical and beautiful to witness. So I just want to acknowledge you in that and affirm my support of you as a facilitator and as an incredible sister and friend and leader in the dojo community that you've just been walking side by side and believing in this way as much as I do. And that just has meant the world to me. So really honoring you in the way that you serve mama. That's powerful. I would love to circle into you shared earlier, you know, before you get into like where that biggest breakthrough happened, right? So I want to circle back into your journey. And when you really felt your physical world reality transforming to meet the magnitude of expanse that has happened inside over these last couple years. And then from there, I'd love to talk about what is actually happening in your occurring world. What is it happening in your occurring world that is affirming 
the liberation you've achieved inside and what are you learning currently? Like what is your current leading edge expansion and learning? And I know I'll let you take us there, but there's so much aliveness happening in your life. So I would just love to hear how that's occurring, where that breakthrough happened, what it looked like and what's occurring now. So I think that it was when we did our one-on-one immersion back in August of 2020. It was so interesting and so beautiful and so kismet and duh that my life had already started to do this really beautiful shift. Salons were shut down. You know, the pandemic was in full force. I wasn't working in the place that I had always worked in. I had a lot more freedom and time. I had just signed a lease on a house in Topanga, which is so different from Hollywood. For those that aren't in Los Angeles, it's like moving yourself from the center, like the Mecca of the city into like the woods. And it was after our immersion that I really started to see the, my real world reality beginning to shift and seeing that the literal container that I was in, in my apartment in West Hollywood was closing in on me. And I was getting too big for the container that I had chosen. And it was such a beautiful moment to step into this home that I'm in now and step in the community that I am now and see myself expand in lifetime because the container was bigger. The actual container of my life was expanding to meet my physical edges. And then Dojo Merch started and all, you know, meeting the women and dropping in with all the women and just the quantum leap after quantum leap and the plant medicine journeys and everything that I was saying yes to. It just that that's when my my real world reality really began to shift and i never went back to the salon i never went back to that kind of life that i once knew and so that's when it started to shift and i feel like that was a little less than two years ago which feels like yesterday and 27 years ago yeah probably so man what was your other question yeah it was and so now what's occurring in your world that and and actually just to create a little context how long between that like rock bottom moment that you described where you were just like i will not suffer like this anymore and whatever i know that's not here is going to be i'm willing to trust that i could trust is over there i'm going to do it how much time between that moment and the moment that you you know we started working together you moved to topanga and relationship fields shifted what was the like time period between that and that i'm curious I think it was about two, two and a half years. Oh yeah. So it was like Mm -hmm. two and two and a half years that you were like, it was like a momentum building. Yeah. 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 And that, that's an important thing to acknowledge as well is that it wasn't overnight. I was in a lot of pain for quite a bit of time and I went into some pretty deep isolation while I was going through the big healing moments of my journey. And Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for that. That two and a half years was really, really dark. very, very important. And so it wasn't an overnight thing. So anyone that's experiencing that like (laughs) dark night of the soul, be in it and allow yourself to be in it because it's very, very important and take something for real. Yeah. And that isolation, you know, because as you start to let go of those patterns and as you start to let go of the identity structures that you had held onto for so long, your real world reality is going to shift. And so the friends that you've had and the work that you do and the things that you have been enjoyable for so long are not going to feel like a match for you. And so it does take a little bit of cocooning in order to come back out the other side and claim now, which 
is a match. And so like honoring all of those people that are kind of in that cocooning phase and in the isolation phase and in that shedding phase, because it sucks, yeah. but it's so important. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. important. It really forges something. It's part of the courage. It's part of trusting yourself when you can rock in the darkness and stay with yourself right mm-hmm. there. That fortifies mm-hmm. something that is irreplaceable. So mm-hmm. thank you for naming that. So you move through it and then it's like, bam, you, these quantum leaps start happening and your physical world reality starts reflecting the expanse that has occurred inside. And so now take us up to date. So now here we are and what's happening in your occurring world and what is alive mm-hmm. at the leading edge now? Cause it's like, there's a new leading edge, right? So what's happening there? I just moved through one of my biggest edge points. And so right now in this current moment, I am in my exhale. Sometimes they last a day, sometimes they last an hour, sometimes they last a week. And I'm in like a really beautiful exhale right now. I am in such beautiful relationship. Zahara, you have been with me on this journey. And so I don't even truly know how to unpack the complexity of this most recent edge for me, but it is what's most true in the sense of like, it's what I've been facing off with for the last five months. And so unpacking the complexity feels a bit, let me just stop for a second. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Tune into what you feel is most alive at the edge and what could be what you've received through moving past it and, and through your own process, even if it's still in its unfoldment, that might be valuable for other women and men who are experiencing a similar edge around intimacy. Man. Okay. So the relationship is something that it would be really beautiful to move into if we wanted to unpack that in lifetime. What feels like my meeting edge at the moment, which has affected the like surrendering into this love that I'm experiencing now is the holding on to my identity structures and beginning the process of really releasing them. That is the edges that I've been moving through. And that is the edge that I continue to move through. When I first started dating my partner, it was about a month into it. And I call it my first brain breaking session (laughs) where we were in really beautiful, deep conversation. And he really spoke into what I resonate with and see as a direct source to the deepest truth, which is, it's not dissimilar to what I was speaking into earlier around the essence of who you are. So there is the essence of who you are that, like I said, spans time and space. It does not hold stories. It does not hold woundings. It does not hold onto the identity structures that we as our human figures so often do. And when we were speaking into this, when he was speaking into this, I began to observe all of the identity structures that I was holding on to around community, around open relationships, around my sexuality, around my career, business, coaching, facilitating. And I was in a pure panic point. Mm-hmm. I, the essence of me was not in pure panic point. The essence of me was witnessing my identity structures 
freaking the fuck out. Yeah. If I am just this essence, then how will I gather my love? How will I identify in a community? How will I receive the validation from the external people around me? And then how will I be of value to this world? And it was this kind of choice point for me where I felt that the truth being injected into my body and then watching the parts of me act in pure fear. So can you speak a little more just like precisely about what is the truth that he injected into your body? So we don't necessarily, because we, we want to try to stay around an hour. It's like, yeah, yeah. this might be episode, this might be our next podcast episode where we right, really right. go into it. I didn't realize we had so much to go into before getting into this, but <laughs> I do think that the energy of relationship and just starting to name how much of an evolutionary catapult this has been for you. What is the truth? Because what I'm hearing is the contrast of whatever this truth is that you'll name that he injected into, or not maybe not injected, but like revealed that was also true in the essence of your being started to illuminate all these aspects that were protection mechanisms. And Mm -hmm. so I'm curious, like, what was the truth? Is there a way to distill it that actually kind of created this panic in all these identities you're speaking to in community and relationship dynamic Mm -hmm. as a facilitator? Like, sounds like a powerful moment of intimacy that was really rattling in a good way for this purge to happen. It was really, truly beginning to see in order to show up truly authentic, not just in this relationship, but in every area of my life. An authentic expression is the only way to truly receive a genuine depth of connection. Mm. If you show up inauthentically, then you are actually blocking yourself from the opportunity to authentically connect. Yeah in order to show up authentically, truly authentically, and to be received in that way from a partner, from community or from anybody, you need to begin taking ownership of where you are being inauthentic. Mm. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) The inauthenticity can come so innocently, just like we were speaking into about the parts earlier. Yeah. There were so many ways where I was showing up inauthentically because I was holding on to identity structures that had gotten the approval of the people around me. And I was beginning to see how in order to truly feel love, truly receive all of myself, truly connect, I needed to begin shedding those identity structures. And to begin shedding those identity structures, you really need to be in a place where you can hold yourself in the void. And so that was the brain breaking. And that was like the beginning of the me stepping into this authentic depth of connection with another human. We could, you know, yeah. I don't know how much time we have yeah. left. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're starting to come into the close now, but yeah, there's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in there. You know, I think what I'm hearing and what you're saying that I think can be the beginning, you know, of further conversations around this 
is, and I fully agree and resonate with this. And I can see how, like how igniting that reflection was from a man Mm -hmm. who you're building trust with and choosing to trust on that depth of level and devotion and like everything that that's bringing up and how that Mm -hmm. illuminated in every category, whether it's community or facilitation or relationship where even in subtle ways out of protection, there's any level Mm -hmm. of inauthenticity. And that becomes so upright at the surface. I can feel just how overwhelming Mm -hmm. that can feel to see for the very first time. And this is like pointing at the profound power of relate of relating of devotional relating, which was your intention for this year, going into the new year, your word was devotion mm-hmm. and that witnessing what you've called in and what you've stepped into and the, the way that it's brought up contrast for you has been ex- like profoundly extraordinary. I really feel the expanse and the way you've like taken the catalyst and sat with yourself in the void of the shedding of those old identity structures and upgraded every aspect of yourself to move into alignment with the commitment to be authentic period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we leave yeah. everyone listening with that, the commitment to be authentic and the willingness to be radically authentic and transparent with yourself first around where you are not being authentic. It's subtle people pleasing, walking on eggshells, being in control. Like these are all expressions of that. And so I think that's a really powerful thing to presence, but I feel there's maybe, is there another piece that you want to bring in? Yeah. There's just one more piece that I feel is really important if we're just going to kind of leave it at this. And it was in that moment that I really began to ask myself in those moments of inauthenticity, in the taking ownership of where I was holding too firmly onto identity structures. It's such a simple question, but it's such a powerful one is what am I afraid of? Fear is what lives like fear is what asks us to show up inauthentically because we're afraid of losing the person that's in front of us because we're afraid of being abandoned by community because we're afraid of being abandoned by anything we're afraid of loneliness we're afraid of rejection we're afraid of abandonment of embarrassment and so when you really begin to ask yourself and answer yourself in full transparency what am i afraid of right now what is the fear that is the fuel to this inauthentic inauthenticity, you really begin to see how that fear is illusional. Yeah. And 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 it's it's in that conversation with yourself that everything can begin the process of shedding. Mm. 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 Whoa. What a way to leave it in terms of actually illuminating what it means to face off with an edge period. You know, Mm -hmm. it's that Mm -hmm. on the other side of it is a fear of feeling something, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this is an opportunity, I think, for always, always each one of us to stay radically honest with ourselves about specifically what we're afraid of and where in our lives we're acting from that fear. And if we catch ourselves Mm -hmm. in that, the last thing we want to do is judge ourselves. And if you do judge yourselves, let's not judge ourselves for judging. (laughs) You know, that can be Mm -hmm. (laughs) right but rather actually move into exactly what erica named earlier compassion and the compassion in the void compassion Mm -hmm. in the release compassion in the shift compassion Mm -hmm. over and over again is exactly where that mechanism starts to heal right and then we can find truth and authenticity in that way 
Erica, my love. There's so much more. I feel like we could talk for two, three hours on this. Totally. There's so much more. There's so much. And I just really want to honor, you know, there'll be more opportunities to have you on and to on the podcast and for us to continue the journey and the exploration specifically around all that's unfolding with you and Tom and the relationship field. And I just feel so grateful for what you are bringing and what you've shared today. I think we've given some, you know, really important codes around the evolutionary curriculum that occurs when you're really living your life right at the edge. So with that, I would love to invite you to share how everyone listening can access you and work with you. Are there any like websites and contacts and opportunities to go deeper? The best way to get in touch with me is through Instagram, the LOL. I don't even know my handle. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not very active on Instagram. That's something that is an edge for me if I'm just speaking directly into my own edges and finding my authentic voice on that platform. I'm on it and I like, you know, go and look at stories and do the things and check my DMs. But if you're going to my page, there's not a lot there, but that's okay. But it's Erica, E-R-I-C-A dot soft landings. And that's my Instagram. And then there's a link to my website on my page, which is www.soft-landings.co. And either of those are great places to get in touch with me. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us, my love. And thank you to all of the attentive ears that are listening and receiving. We feel so grateful for your presence and your attention today. The deepest why we do this is for the space of connection, for the opportunity to grow and evolve together. And I deeply, deeply honor each one of you for living your life right beyond the edge. Thank you for being here. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at zaharazimring and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart, leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.